Kiora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Hey Mark, how are you doing? I'm alright, thank you. How about yourself? Not too bad. It's been uh, it's been a funny few weeks, but um, it has. We've been a bit busy. Been busy. I've been sick, Mark. Tell me about it. Man flu. Oh, jeez, worst I felt in a long time. Yes, but you've also been moving and renovating and living with your mother-in-law. Yes. Uh, yeah, whole family uh, encamped at the mother-in-law's, which was well, it was it was two weeks of living at your mother-in-law's. Yeah. Does your mother-in-law cook well? Uh, she does actually, yeah, couldn't complain in that score at all, yeah. My mother-in-law doesn't, but anyway, um, <laughs> on to and welcome to the Geodorables podcast, the number one geospatial podcast in the world, based in New Zealand. Yeah, we have to, uh, we have to be clear about that. Um, well, we've got many titles of why we're so good. Uh, we have, yeah, yeah. I think we're the number one geospatial podcast in Japan. Well, I should hope so, especially the English language version. Yes. Um, and we have a lot of Japanese listeners, so konnichiwa. Uh, yeah, um, indeed. Welcome to the podcast. So this podcast, Chris, what's it about? Uh, it's about all things kind of GIS-y, spatial, yeah, a bit of tech, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, news, views, opinions that are all our own and, and no one else's. Uh, definitely not, because, um, well, our opinions are so good, eh, Mark? Well, they are, um, and they also don't represent anyone else. No, no, definitely not work or anything like that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, an exciting podcast we've got. So, we sh- shall we get on to the news? Uh, yeah, I think we... Uh, yeah, I think... Why not? Um... <laughs> you can't think of a better idea? Uh, no, I can't. Um, so, yeah, good idea. News. Spatial News. Well, we always start with the breaking news. Do we? I guess we do. Yeah. Well, actually, all the news in this podcast is pretty, pretty fast breaking. Um, so Esri have bought a company. Well, they haven't actually bought a company. They've bought a part of a technology. Yeah, they'll do. How, how do we say this? Well, they've acquired, haven't they? They have acquired, but Clearterra is who they've acquired. But Clearterra is a subsidiary of a bigger company. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm glad you cleared that up. Yes. <laughs> uh, so what is Clitura, Chris? Uh, it's, uh, it's a tool um, that uh, basically you know, searches through, or searches for location through, um, through text and then you know, designates that location on the map. Yeah, so it searches documents, um, codes, and what have you to try and recognize the place names now you'd have to hope that it's a bit smarter than um than just the normal english language uh yeah because i mean a, a problem we have here in uh old new zealand is um well wellington for example you know is it a city is it a boot is it a um is it beef wellington anyone refers to wellington boots in new zealand well i know i know but you know are they called galoshes? Or is that a different thing? Uh, wellies? I thought they're called like. Oh, I don't know. 
Anyway. <laughs> um, so, I can never understand the difference between a ghoul and an anorak either. Spelling, at least. Yes, but anyway. So they've brought it, and so what this is going to mean is that now Esri functionality is going to allow you to start um, putting location based onto your documents, which is quite good. This is, um, I've worked in previous companies, councils that were trying to do this with mm-hmm. their document management system. Yep. Because it's much easier to find documents if you can search by location when they're based on when documents are based on places. Uh, totally, totally agree. Uh, it's something that um, I come across quite often in uh, in my career, and never, never truly found a, a great answer for it. Yeah, so maybe there is one. Well, there is one now. Oh, the, yeah. the, there are a few others in the market. There are, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I guess these are these are probably the most well known. They've been Esri partners for quite um, a number of years. Yeah. So we'll see what that does to the end user. Um, but watch the space, I suppose. Yeah, expect it to arrive in, you know, well, Arches Pro at some point soon, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Spatial news. Now, new technology, new technology, new updates. New updates. QGIS, that favourite of open source GISs. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> it has a new version. It has version 3, and this is a pretty big release. Um, version 3, Girona. Um, so uh, QGIS, they name their releases after the cities where they uh, host their conference. Yeah, or well, the developer meetings. So, mm. um, Lots of stuff updated. Like, it, it, as you said, it's a major release. Oh, yeah, it, tons and tons of new features, under the hood updates and, and, and that kind of stuff. In fact, Mark, there are so many... Yeah, we're not going to run through them all. We're not going to run them. What about some highlights, Chris? Um, there's a new uh, 3D engine, so you can start doing 3D. That's exciting. Yeah, and it looked it looked alright actually. Um, and then, I mean, it, it's weird talking about these things. So there's a new, oh, there's new floating dockable windows. They're windows that float and can be docked. Um, yeah, so they're catching up with that one, but um, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, improved symbology and support for live layers were the kind of the highlights that I kind of picked out. Yeah, um, plus all the other good old stuff. Yeah, 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 and it's you know, every release it it get gets more stable and and, and better. Yeah, um, but also considering it's open source, it's um, quite a major achievement to keep up such a large product. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, so I recommend actually people download. I have a copy of QGIS. Have you downloaded version three yet? No, I haven't actually. No, yeah. nor have I. I need to get around to it. Um, but it's quite good fun. Yeah. Spatial news. Now, Chris, have you heard of where the streets have no name? Oh, uh, you know, other than the U2 song, which I know you're not referring to. Um, you want to run, you want to hide, you want to tear down these walls that hold you inside? Sure. No? You're talking about, um, let me guess, Mannheim in Germany? I am. Oh, what a guess that was. That was. So this is really, really interesting. Yeah. That Mannheim in Germany were smart when they named their locations. Mm-hmm. 
they were so smart that um, they've broken every mapping system that's been made that tries to navigate to their, their maps. And that's because the streets don't have names. Well, this isn't, uh, let's be clear, this isn't all of Mannheim, but there's a, no. uh, a, a section called the uh, Quadrate <laughs> Start uh, yes. of Mannheim. What's it? Our compulsion? Our ability to uh, pronunciate foreign words is fantastic. Hey, I did uh, I did German at uh, GCSE level, um, and I got an E. So uh, <laughs> you can, I mean, take from that what you will. Um, but yeah, the things I yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So, <clears throat> so you were saying? Well, so uh, yes, this small section of Mannheim, uh, as you said, they've done away with street names. Instead, they just name the the blocks, well, the town blocks. Well, yes, okay, they never had them. They never uh, had them, so they just named the blocks, which makes perfect sense. But not if you're a mapping company. <laughs> or you're trying to navigate there because there is nothing to get you get you there. Well, not really, yeah. Um, so, so basically the streets don't have names, so various mapping companies, Google, Apple, here, Arches Online, um, they just try and associate a block with uh, a street. Um, struggles th- when they're on corners. Oh, oh, totally. I mean, the whole thing struggles. It, it's, <laughs> but it's very interesting. I mean, you know, well, how do you build a mapping engine that has to cater for something that doesn't have street names? Yes, but what what I'm wondering is why they bother. Like, maybe we're so associated to street names for bits of track. This is going to be a problem for automated vehicles because you can't guarantee that every every road has a street name. No, true. So why can't you just say turn left at the next intersection? Why do you need to name it something? Uh, just convention, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So there's a, there's a future problem for autonomous vehicles. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think the thing that was interesting about this is, I mean, there are other places in the world, you know, where you're, you, you know, you're not going to have street names. Um, well, what three words is a great example of solving this no street name problem. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but I think what's funny here is the fact that this is in the heart of Germany, one of the largest economies in the world. <laughs> and one of the most efficient countries yeah. in the world. Hmm. Anyway, shall we move on, Mark? Sure. Spatial news. <laughs> and with that, um, the Olympics, well, the Winter Olympic, Chris. Yes, uh, we talked about this uh, in our last episode. Uh, we mentioned uh, a couple of kind of, well, less than ideal story maps. No, no, to be clear, we mentioned one that was quite okay. poor and one that was quite good. If you want to be pedantic, Mark, jeez. Well, I just hate for people to say we're yeah, negative about all of them. Anyway, get on with it. <laughs> so, um, so, Carter have jumped on board. Well, they probably listen to the podcast, let's be honest. I suspect they do. Yeah. A lot of people do. Mm. Um, and a lot of people get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Gmail. Better they do, yeah, true. Um, but the um, what's this search search trends? Yep. From the Olympics, um, each country's chances of winning a medal. Um, lots of interesting stuff there about the Winter Olympics. And I guess you know it's nice to see them uh, all brought together in one place again. Carto doing their very best to be uh, the top mappers of everything and anything. <laughs> yeah. 
Hmm. Um, so it's worth yeah, it's worth checking out the stories. Um, there are quite a few here I hadn't really thought about, realised. Um, you know, um, yeah, the speediest winter Olympic sports uh, and the maps around um, uh, speed skating and, and those kind of things. It's an interesting article, well worth a read. Yes. Yes, it is. Spatial news. And the BBC, Chris, that great British institution. Man, I mean, this is an interesting story. So, I mean, you love the BBC, don't you? Uh, yeah, with with all my heart, um, actually. You happily pay your license fee. I do, even though I don't live in the country anymore. You know? Do, do you really? Sure. <laughs> it's an great. institution, Mark. I mean, you you know. You, you can't not. It's where all the best documentaries come from. It's where all the best, um, uh, you know, dramas come from. Yeah, you know, how can you not pay your license fee? It should just be like a, a general requirement. Everybody should have to pay. Well, Coro Street's not on the BBC, Chris. Coro Street. Coronation Street. Uh, no, it's not, and it's not. Well, I'm not going to say anything. It was never my thing. You know, so anyway, so I grew up with the BBC. Um, I wasn't allowed to watch ITV, which was the, you know, commercial <laughs> channel uh, by my parents for, for many, many years in case it, um, you know, so well, it, funny. hey, it, it may have anyway, it's not un- unduly affected my mind. Um, anyway, so the BBC uh, weather yes. was, was, you know, weather's what? very important to the British uh, people in general. We which is talk weird about because it. it's always predictable. It's not predictable. We're in Ireland. It's like New Zealand. Yeah, no. But anyway, um, now the BBC have always used the same weather map, and it's been there for decades. No, they haven't. Okay. <laughs> I don't know which story you're reading. Uh, so the BBC, for many years, used like a, you know, well, I mean, they started obviously with the, the kind of the fridge magnet kind of things, throwing on pictures on the map, and then they moved to a digital version, and it was always like a, a, a 2D flat um, view of the Earth. And then back in 2005, they switched to this 3D kind of globey version, and uh, the trouble with that was that you know Scotland stretched away into the distance and were so smaller. And some might argue that's just the English kind of trying to get one over <laughs> on the Scots, right? You know. Um, yes. Anyway, now what? Almost uh, well, thirteen odd years later, the BBC have switched back to a flat map Mercator projection again. Well, I think it's more interesting that they're using the Mercator projection um, to flatten out their country, which. You know, a lot of GIS people would go, really? That's the projection you chose? Well, that is the projection they, they chose, yeah. Um, so you wonder whether they contacted the, the uh, National Geographic Society? I don't know. Um, well, the Roy- isn't the Royal Geographic Society? Yeah, it? Royal. Everything's Royal in the UK. <laughs> I'm Royal in the UK. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, so not only that, though, Chris, they have switched off using the Met Office. I know another uh, uh, an amazing institution in the UK, the, the Met Office, Metro, you know, um, uh, the Meteorological Society, or Met, yeah, Office, um, and they've moved to some, the Meteo Group, who basically they seem to sell weather forecasts. It's their job. Yeah, and this always has me concerned because New Zealand has a similar issue where you have one institution that fully loves the weather and then other ones that sort of dabble in it mm. um, anyway, they're, they're so still using the Met Office for um, 
for for severe forecasts and stuff like that, weather warnings. Yeah. But um, did it? Did I, have I have I told you about the time I invented the weather radar? No, no, you haven't. Ah, shall, shall I? I'm sure the listeners are uh, dying to hear this sure. story. So uh, this is a true story. True story. I went for a um, I went for a job at uh, the Met Office, and um, one of the one of the things that you had to do in the uh, interview was uh, demonstrate how you would uh, show rain on a on a forecast, like a digital forecast. And basically, I said, well, what I'd do is I'd, I'd you know I'd create a raster out of the um, out of the weather radar and then I would animate it so you know over time you could see how the weather radar moved lo and behold a few short years later that's what they did <laughs> yes so you're a few years ahead of your time oh sure yeah yeah true story true story oh yeah. that's amazing so how yeah. does that help us with the BBC doesn't just the true story mark and one that um, I'm particularly proud of um, I don't get anything for it though nothing yeah that, that mm. is surprising. Anyway, so the BBC, they've changed the map. Um, man, it means quite a lot to me, not that much to other people. But, you know, it, it's 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 interesting nevertheless. <laughs> Do we move on, Mark? Yes, that's... Spatial News. Now, this is uh, this is your story, Mark. Would you like to share it with the, uh, the listeners? Um, um, yeah, so this is... Um in New Zealand and other parts of the world, we have a problem with people running away from the police officers in their cars, driving away. You're driving away. Running away, I think we'd probably be able to solve yeah, the problem. Yeah, Our police officers are quite fit. Yeah. Not a good idea to run away from them. No. Um, but sure, driving away. Um, and I was thinking, this is just dumb. One, you should never do this because it's, it's one of my pet peeves. People being, um, I don't know, running away from the law, not facing up to their actions. Um, okay. But... <laughs> what I thought was what you need is some sort of GPS device that you can sort of stick onto their car somehow so you don't have to chase them um, and so I googled it and I came across Star Chase okay and it's uh, you showed me this earlier tracking device that you fire from a police car it's got like this I don't know cylindrical thought thing that sticks onto the car yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's a GPS beacon and they can track it it's very kind of, um, it's very, it's very Batman. I imagine he'd have one of these. Yes. Um, or it's very kind of spy action thriller. Well, it is a bit, but I, I think it's great. I mean, it's not, looking at it, it's not that big. So, um, uh, not the device. The device is quite small. Like, it's smaller than your, your fist of your hand. Um, but in terms of it taking off around the, around the States, it's a United States device. It hasn't got that popular, um, so I'm not sure why that is. Maybe there's some. Well, I think I think because the police over there really like implementing Chase. the pit maneuver. <laughs> yeah? I think you're slandering the the good people of the United States police. No, I'm not. I'm not. I think they do like pulling off the pit maneuver. It's, it looks really good on videos and stuff. But anyway, this is an alternative mo- uh, alternative to that. Um, I mean, you do have to be kind of close. You have to be within, what, 10 metres, would you say? Um, of the yeah. Car? Yeah. Um, which you may not get the chance if, if you're having to chase people. Um, but, yeah, I think this, this, this has a good idea. 
it could save lives, right? Yeah, well, the other thing I thought you could do is, is tack it onto a drone. So you fire the device, it hits the car, and then a d- drone tracks the car. Yep. Yeah. With the yeah. film and everything on it, so you can actually see everything. And yeah, that could be a real future. Saving lives with uh, GIS and, and sticky tape, kind of. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Spatial news. Now, Mark, ask me what I did at the weekend. Uh, Chris, what did you do in the weekend? Uh, I took my kids to see the uh, Volvo uh, Ocean Race, uh, which arrived in Auckland uh, a couple of weeks back. Yes, indeed. Now, the Volvo o- Ocean Race, Chris, is? Uh, well, it's um, it's an ocean race where they get old Volvos, probably like a 740 <laughs> Estates, and they try and race them around the world. Uh, I prefer the A50. Um, Did you? See. Okay. Uh, it's it, it's a it's one of the greatest uh, ocean races in the world ever, and it's basically I think it's seven boats who yeah, have to circumnavigate the Earth. I think it's had a different version. Like it used to be a whip bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, currently sponsored by Volvo. But yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, so what's this got to do with mapping? Well. One of the things you really, really, really want to know about the Volvo Ocean Race is where are the where are the boats or the yachts? Well, I should say. There is a, there's a there's a problem with the Ocean Race, and that it's racing in the ocean. Man, there are no flies on you, are there? Uh, and the problem with racing in the ocean is there's no people. Well, there's mer people. Yes. Sure. Um, but anyway, so if you wanted to. St- find out where the boats were what could you do well you go to uh volvo ocean race.com you would and there's a tracker and you know what it's awesome it is quite good now my favorite feature uh-huh. well, actually i've got two favorite features one is it shows the, p- the path the boats took yeah um actually i've got three favorite features okay get on with it four favorite features um <laughs> no one suspects the spanish inquisition um, the so it shows the path they took, which is quite interesting to see how close they came into land when they're exiting New Zealand. Mm-hmm. It shows the current wind patterns around the world. Yeah, and this is really interesting to see what the struggles they have. Um, they're going to have, especially when they get like halfway to Cape Horn, when they're yeah. in the doldrums and they've got to head south, but too far south, and they'll get storms and they could, you know, destroy the boat by hitting an iceberg. Um, and the other great feature is the tracking that uh, shows you the path they're going to take. Well, and the yep. fourth great feature is it's actually animated. Yeah, it's it's awesome to, to actually um, yeah to be able to track them. I hadn't uh, come across this before, uh, so it really does make it a lot easier to understand what they've done, where they've come from, uh, and um, you can go back in time and have a look at the routes that they took previously. Yeah. And what's so, really good, I think, is it's a great view of tracking. If you were trying to demo live tracking at work and you just needed something that was, I know, quite interesting, yeah. then, um, yeah, this is a great example of it. Hmm. Excellent, Mark. Excellent. Um, uh, yeah, everybody should, uh, should take a look. They sure should. So, Mark, have you got any more news? No. Have you? Uh, no. So um, let's stop playing that news bed and um, talk a little bit about 
um, topic of the week. Topic of the week. Great cut there, Chris. Yeah, sorry, I thought you were going to say something and then you didn't, you know. Oh, I thought you were leading so well. Anyway, topic of the week. Now we've had good discussions on this topic. We've probably talked about this topic more than other topics that we've ever talked about. (laughs) Um, Sure. So Hmm. what's the topic, Chris? Uh, Well, we struggled actually to come up with a a decent, well, not decent, we struggled to come up with a title, but um, I think we're going to go with Upstart GIS. Upstart GIS. Apart from maybe not the GIS bit, because that's part of the issue. Well, I was just going to, yeah, pull you up on that, actually. Well, pull away. (laughs) Um, the upstart upstarts um, so what we've seen recently in the last 15 years is the rise of these fast growing technology companies mm-hmm. and what we've also seen in the last 15 years in the mapping space is the rise of mapping companies, not so big um, we were discussing before about unicorn companies would you like to explain to the listeners what a unicorn company is, Mark? A unicorn company is any company that's privately owned um, and is worth over a billion dollars and has been around since 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you Google that, not that whole sentence, just unicorn companies, you can see some really amazing timelines of how back in 2003 there weren't that many. And now in the last five years, we've got these amazing companies like Uber. Mm-hmm. Who um, who are worth what thirty billion dollars? Yeah, they're not. Well, I mean, yes, no, sorry, sixty-two point five billion. Okay, sure. I'm only up by thirty billion. Yeah. Um, but so with the rise of that, we've seen all this new technology, and you've seen the traditional market, and I'm going to use that word poorly, or in an irritating way, um, have to adjust. And sort of, I don't know, are they, well, does it take on new measures or does it need to be better at marketing? So, I mean, let, let's get to the crunch, shall we? So um, what, what we've seen over the last, I don't know, 12, 18 months is there have been more and more stories in the media about, you know, uh, traditional GIS has to, you know, has changed or is dying or, you know, traditional GIS is being, um, yeah, it's being must say that a lot of those articles are coming out from the upstarts. Uh, well, well, absolutely, right? They need to say something. <laughs> yeah, um, and with and we're talking about unicorn companies and tech investment, that a lot of people are looking for investments, and a lot of upstarts are looking or startups are looking for um, are looking for money. So therefore, it pays to have good marketing. Oh, totally. Um, but it's also they are challenging some of the areas and and it's very very hard to tell um well maybe it's not that hard to tell but i think it's hard to tell um where they're exactly challenging Mm -hmm. because if you like esri's the market leader by a long way yep and you can say well you know mapbox leaflet google maps they're all challenging esri um but they're not if you look at the broad spectrum of what esri does no, and, and I think this is the point: is that these these smaller companies, and and you know we've uh, we do many a story on Mapbox and Carto and so forth. So it's not 
we're not m- nailing our uh, ourselves to a particular mast here but you know these these in spite of our sponsorship <laughs> in spite of the sponsorship by um yeah uh yeah these particular companies are uh, having to make a louder noise in a market space and you know one of the ways to be able to do that is by saying well you know this traditional GIS stuff, nobody's doing that anymore. It's it's kind of a dead market. What you need to be doing is playing around with, you know, this new tech and doing these, you know, the the, the kind of look look. Here's the cool shiny stuff. Um, in some ways, it's kind of you know classic magician. You know, it, it's it's uh, well, it is. it's a new take on an old trick. We've, yeah. you know, we've been doing location analysis since the well, Jack's been doing it since the sixties. Yep. Um, but I think the other aspect to these upstarts is that they are applying it to places where Esri can't. Um, and that's maybe because that's newer. I mean, you think of the, the new businesses that have popped up, you know, Uber, Snapchat. Um, those guys are... are, are, are oh, I don't want to use the word disrupt because it's an awful word. But they're, they're producing markets where you wouldn't really have thought there was one. But if let's take Uber, right? Because of of most of the uh, the startups or that unicorn startup list, um, you know, Uber are the ones that you can most easily associate with mapping, right? It's all about location. Um, sure. You know, where where are my vehicles? Where are my passengers? Where do they need to go? You know, um, and they just use Google Maps, right? I mean, you know, that that's the that's well, what's did. being used using the application. Um, now, who knows what they're using behind the scenes? They're probably not using Google Maps to do all their analytics, right? Uh, they're using Decatur. So you're using what, sorry? Decatur. Okay, there you go. You know, it's... Um, they're using applications that are appropriate to, to you know to what they're doing. So it, it's funny actually. You know, I don't think um, Uber are um, Uber aren't saying you know traditional GIS markets are dead. It's more the fact that um, what we might regard as traditional, by which you know we're kind of saying Esri or MapInfo or um, you know Hexagon to to some extent. You know, they're not being seen as the chosen mapping application. Yeah. Um, but in the I mean, we talked about it with Joseph. This is maybe the difference between location-based services mm-hmm. and GIS. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we. St- and what did Joseph say? He said, you know, we need more people learning about map speak, but we still need a, a, a people, somewhat smaller people, number of people, actually knowing what map speak means. Yep. Um, so, I suppose positive message but there's always going to be a place for the people who actually want to know about spatial stuff how spatial stuff works well I, I guess you know um, you and I both work in in the uh, in the industry so to speak um, do you do you think traditional GIS by which we're kind of talking about um, desktop analysis uh well, uh, yeah, at least that's how it seems to be portrayed, desktop analysis and so forth. Do you see that as, as, a, as a dying market? I see it as a limited market. Uh-huh. Because if all these new companies are coming on and they want some sort of location-based service, 
they're not wanting a GIS. Uh, yeah, location-based services, I'd agree. Um, and so the number of, I mean, I, you know, I, I have been wrong before, but mm. the number of companies wanting location-based services over GIS would, would, wouldn't be the same equivalent number. No. Um, but a lot of the bigger companies who are starting to use the power of GIS as a location analytics, you know, proper GIS analysis, is also kind of growing. Yep. I think, um, you know, banking, I mean, banking insurance have been doing it for a while, but it's slowly emerging to the top. Um, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I think, you know... Like cream. The, the, the term GIS, I think, is, is gradually fading. Um, we kind of said this many times. Um, <laughs> Within, within the industry, I don't mean on this podcast, although we probably have, but, you know, within the industry, you know, the death of GIS, we've, uh, I think we've had that story probably every couple of years for the past kind of 15, 20 years, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think what's what we're seeing more of now is the term itself is is becoming less pervasive and it is being replaced by location intelligence or um, location-based services. Yeah, you know. Yes, yeah. And that's coming from also a lot of companies and databases doing the um, spatial stuff now at a simple level. I mean, SAP are, are quite getting into GIS. Yeah, and we, we've but they uh, won't again use we've the word GIS. yeah, there we go. But, but we've talked about the commoditization of certain aspects of GIS or certain, you know, um, routing. Wow, that used to be something that you know you'd only ever do in your, your GIS, yeah. and now it's it's kind of, <laughs> I, you know, well, no, um, you, you just wouldn't, <coughs> right? If you, if you thought, you know what, I've got a great idea for a, a routing routing service. Um, oh, I think I can make money. You just wouldn't. You'd go to Mapbox or Navman or someone who already has this. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. unless it was part of your enterprise, right? In which case, you might just go to the the toolbox, you know. Yeah, but I wouldn't. Okay. Because you have to maintain the data. And this is the, you know, the enterprise isn't about maintaining data. Well. If I can, if I can get the the route in one API call, why would I develop a whole routing? Well, I think again, it's always going to depend on use case, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I wouldn't necessarily uh, use some, you know, network analyst if I just wanted to work out a route between home and work. But if I wanted to work out, I don't know, the most efficient way of transporting my fleet around the country or you know whatever else, then I might look at you know more specific tools. Yeah, yeah. Um, so upstarts, Chris. I mean, they're here. And we're not saying they're good or bad. Oh, they're good. Come on. We've got to say they're good because okay, they're I think good. they are. You know, um, anything that's in the market that shakes it up a little bit has got to be good. So so is the challenge then that GIS people need to become more familiar with what they're doing so they can back up what they already know? Well, no, I think the, I think the challenge is to be able to see through... <laughs> to be able to see through the stories and actually, you know... Um, recognize that the stories are, are uh, ultimately there to sell a product a lot of tech stories are because journalism costs money sure right so so I think it's a case of you know the more stories I see about you know traditional GIS being dead 
or you know it's been replaced by location analytics or uh, whatever else the, the, the more you, you kind of feel well this is a, a it, this is a clickbait story um, sure but I think what we also need to do um, and you know my greater my great presentation at the New Zealand user conference about communicating spatial topics in an easy to understand way uh, that, yeah that, that is something these upstarts do very well Oh, I completely agree because they don't have the years of uh, history um, weighing down upon their shoulders. Yeah. Mm. No, I completely agree with that as well. People don't um, look at them funny when they say polygon. You can guarantee nobody who works for Carto kind of gets in a lift and says, you know, oh yeah, I'm a GIS <laughs> company, right? Pretty much. Hmm. But yeah. All right, good topic, Chris. We'd love to hear other people's views and opinions. Yeah, and I think it's one of these things that's going to run and run, right? Um, there's no, there's no kind of end in sight to the the startup um, or, or the traditional, really. Um, I think they both compete in some spaces, and in other spaces, I think that the more traditional, you know, um, well, sorry, the, the the newer technologies, the map boxes, the cartos, the others, you know, they're they're in a space that isn't necessarily um, necessarily the, the kind of the, the domain of the more traditional map info Esri uh, kind of tool sets. Yes. Hmm. It's going to be more of it. There's going to be more stories. There um, is. Uh, it's just, uh, I think, recognising those stories for what they are, but, but also the market is changing. Hmm. <laughs> Yes. Now, Chris, did you want hmm. to export to Shapefile? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, how long have we been going for? Quite a while. Jeez. Um, what do you want to do, Mark? I don't mind. We could. We've been going 40 minutes. Maybe we shouldn't then. You've been doing some... Yeah, you'll have to do some editing. Say again? Alright, should we stop there? Uh, sure. Um, in which case, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for your contributions, Mark. Excellent as ever. Good topic of the week, Chris. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, um, and it, after people get, will keep getting in contact with us, uh, Twitter, MyGeoAdorable, Facebook, Facebook.com slash GeoAdorable, and GeoAdorable at gmail.com. Sure, and uh, yeah, we'd love to hear you, uh, hear from you. Uh, and with that, uh, Mark, goodbye. Yeah, see you later.